Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What is up late on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. It is Grill Corner slash Mailbag Friday. It was really all just Grill Corner questions. We got LB's Greg for a Kentucky Derby preview on a little uh, shorter, lighthearted podcast today here late on a Friday. Um, so we'll hit your grill corner questions, all kinds of uh, great stuff that Greg answered. I offered absolutely no insight on the grill corner part of it. And he's got a little Kentucky Derby preview for it. And then uh, we'll get out of here. So nice little uh, Friday show for you. Looking forward to it. For those of you that submitted Mike, so we got grill corner questions and then we got Mike Bianco questions. I will save those for the Sunday show with Colin. I did not ignore your question. So just wanted to get it out there, get that out there. Take Greg's picks. Maybe cash them in. I guarantee there'll be winners. And then take those winnings and use them on Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. I don't think Skybox does horse racing. I'll double check with that. Maybe we'll have to edit that in and out of the pot. But uh, they're, just because March Madness is done does not mean Skybox is slowing down. they got the NBA playoff package out. they got the MLB package coming up. NASCAR is just absolutely crushing it. Mark Harris and the crew over there at Skybox. NASCAR just pretty printing money left and right. You need to check these guys out. They're going to have a picks package to fit your price range. They're the professionals. They're going to lead you to profit more consistently than anyone in the sports handicapping industry. If you're into wagering, you need to use these guys. It's an investment. You're going to make your money back and then some, and you're not going to end up like your dumb buddy who doesn't use Skybox and just goes off his own knowledge and ends up trying to figure out how he's going to pay the bookie every week. You're actually going to profit from this because Skybox is the professionals. They're going to have a picks package to fit your price range and your preferred sport, whether that's month long, season long. I'd recommend just going with the year long all access pass. It's going to pay for itself and then some. But uh, if you want something a little different, maybe try it for a week and try it for a day, a month, whatever in between, just go give them a try. Skybox Sports Picks, whatever the picks package is, type it in, uh, secure it, and then type in RIPPY, promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E. That gets you 20% off any purchase and lets them know we sent you. So check them out this weekend ahead of a great sports weekend we got. We've got a fight going on, all kinds of different stuff, some derby stuff. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue. He needs no introduction. Let's just get right to it. Here is Grill Corner slash Kentucky Derby preview with LB's Greg. All right, we now welcome on Greg the Meat Sharp Jones. Been a minute since we did a Grill Corner. I guess not too bad, about a month, month or so. We're going to hit your uh, Grill Corner questions. We got some Mailbag Friday questions that I'll probably, the non-Grill ones I'll probably answer at the top. And then, of course, the Kentucky Derby preview is we've got the Derby this weekend. There's usually a fight associated, not with the Derby, but like this weekend. You know, this weekend's usually a big NBA playoffs. In, in, is Canelo fighting? Do we have a fight? Do you know? Maybe. I'll have to uh, trust the old Google on that one and then see if I can look something up. But uh, there's always something that's uh, big going on this weekend on top of the Kentucky Derby and everything else. Yeah, so we've got Canelo Dimitri Bivol. I don't know who that is, but it'll be nice to watch some violence. But it's, this is like kind of an iconic spring sports weekend. I don't know. It was always the uh, – for us when I was in school, it was always the week before finals, if I remember correctly. But now you got graduation this week. I guess it depends on the year. But uh, great uh, great grilling weather. So we got a, uh, an aptly 
an aptly uh, named podcast, Grill Corner, going on for this weekend. Before we get too far into that, take the questions. What's, uh, what's happening at the store? I know we were just talking offline um, or off air and pretty busy graduation, graduation weekend. I can't talk today. What's going on at the store? Yeah, man. Uh, just you know, trying to get stocked up for Saturday. I know uh, we did we did really good today. Had a really solid uh, uh, day, but I think that with tomorrow, with graduation ending, and then Mother's Day on Sunday, I think they'll be piling in. So uh, I'll be doing some plane trains and cutting some boneless ribeyes and uh, cutting some big fat fillets, and uh, I'll be ready for it. So yeah, we'll, we'll just be running regular hours tomorrow, one to uh, ten to six, and then. Uh, on Sunday for Mother's Day, we'll see. I might be open. Uh, I, I don't know. We'll get there. It's just hard to be closed, you know, and because there's those late, uh, late, late getters that, you know, kind of forget that Mother's Day is Sunday on top of graduation and baseball series and everything like that. When you say uh, late, like people late forgetting it's Mother's Day, are you saying there's a faction of people that their first instinct is to get their mom some meats? Yeah, I would think so. Okay. I mean, mom, I, like I mean, that. doesn't doesn't mom like a you know big old fillet for her uh, for Mother's Day? I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think that I might get asked what I was going to cook for my mom on my mother, on Mother's Day. So, um, you know, we'll see uh, if if that if that question comes across. Graduation weekend. What uh like? Is there a common thing that you notice people get? You mentioned you were pretty busy. I, I was trying to think back to my graduation weekend. I remember like with my friend group or whatever, one of our buddies who's from Oxford, I think we did like a thing in his backyard, like a, I think it, you know, like catered food or whatever and parents and all that came over because if I remember correctly, like the restaurant situation was just completely absurd. Like you weren't getting into the oh, restaurants yeah. anywhere, particularly not with a big group. So like in terms of people coming into LBs, is it like people smoking briskets? Is there some, like, is there some common thing, you notice graduation weekend that's clearly for a group? Yeah, I mean, usually lane trains are real popular. The larger fillets are really popular. Uh, you know, not a lot of people smoking. Uh, well, I mean, I had a couple people get in a, uh, a brisket and uh, some tri-tips, but mostly people are wanting those center-cut fillets and everything. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, we're stocked up, ready to go. So, I got I, – I, I, if I sell 450 lane trains this weekend, and I'll, you know, take Monday off. Oh, there we go. I like that. Setting goals on this podcast. Uh, graduation weekend is always a zoo i'll give so anyone out there listening i hate that we're recording this a little later on a friday because by the time somebody's going to be listening to this stuck in uh graduation traffic and i hate we didn't get the message out sooner to you pal so if, if you're one of those people that's listening to it you maybe just graduated like i was i got out of the uh i got out of the tad pad my graduation ceremony was at like 11 and I was parked in the Tadpad parking lot. I knew that's where I was graduating. I tried to get a spot there because you get the you do the commencement speech before, which honestly I was not fired up about waking up for, but that's neither here nor there. So I get to my car, and I would say I backed 12 inches out of my parking space, like probably just turned around and realized I was pretty, pretty jam tight situation. So I stopped, and I kid you not, I did not move the vehicle again for two and a half hours. I ended up, oh, yeah. up on top of a curb ditching the car and then meeting one of my parents who didn't bring a car on uh or left their car at the con at the condo they were staying at on highway six their old mistress apparently had no traffic plan so you had a later graduation ceremony coming in and another graduation ceremony coming out of the law school and the tad pad i'm sure the pavilion as well and just like not a traffic guard in sight like old miss was just like yeah this is cool well half these people come onto campus and half these people come off 
what could go wrong? I'll tell you what could go wrong. People didn't move for hours. So have oh, a plan yeah. if you happen to listen to this before graduation. If you're one of those people in your cap and gown wondering if you're going to move anytime soon right about now, you're not. I'd get out and start walking. <laughs> How's that for some advice? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, like, the it's crazy. Uh, this uh, Oxford just can't cope with the traffic situation. And, you know, when some of uh, these people coming from out of town don't know how to drive already, so it kind of just, uh, you know, it's just a – perfect mixture of just just one big cluster so yeah i i'm uh i'm very thankful that i uh live in uh, como and i can uh hop up on highway seven come down highway seven and not have to uh, remotely go near the square because i'm good on the square i know what's going on down there <laughs> going it down really, there right now it really truly was unbelievable i know people love to complain like oh Ole miss not thinking ahead Ole miss not pointing i was truly baffled that Think about it. You take that. Uh, you take the Chucky Mullins exit to get to that side of campus, right? If you're coming on campus, and it's two lanes. Two lanes. Uh, like there's no two lanes no coming plug. up, coming up through the law school. Two lanes out, and they were just letting traffic try to free free flow that way. And shocker, it stopped flowing immediately, and literally was that it was that way for hours upon end. I picked up my car at 8 a.m. the next uh, morning, and was just hoping probably with a ticket on it. It was, yeah, it was just, I mean, at that point, they'd already, my birth star was already zeroed. I was ripping that shit up. I was never paying for that ticket. But it was pretty, uh, pretty surprising. But other than that, it was a pretty, uh, pretty solid graduation weekend. Let's, um, let's hit the questions first. Then we'll do the Kentucky preview, Kentucky Derby preview at the end. We got quite a few grill corner questions. Uh, The group, the people have been clamoring for it. I got a couple of messages over the last couple of weeks asking when the next one was coming let's uh where do we want to start we'll go jack colbertson he asked if greg oh does greg ever use a sous vide and if so what cuts does he recommend yeah well on the sous vide it really is kind of does all the work for you and uh once you get done with uh setting your temperature on how how much you want to cook it because in a perfect world uh you know it would be almost 10 or 15 degrees off of what you're, you know, how you like your, to cook your meat. But, you know, you can leave a sous vide on and you can sous vide something for 48 hours if, a week, you know, as long as that, as long as that, you know, sous vide is plugged into the wall and that uh, plug doesn't, you know, go out, you're good to go on uh, sous vide and anything for a long period of time. Man, I think really uh, some nice cuts to sous vide are, are going to be like tri-tips, I think uh, I think flank steaks are really good. You know, some stuff, some stuff that is kind of harder to cook because you want to kind of cook it perfectly through. But whenever you got the sous vide, it's cooking at that 120 or 115 temperature. You know, once you've, it's been cooking at 120, you just sear it on each side for a solid five minutes and let it rest. It should be perfect. So I'm a big fan of that tri-tip. Uh, I think the uh, Wagyu Denver cut would be really nice. You know, uh, just a basic eight to nine ounce center cut fillet would be awesome to uh, for sous vide. So there's really not one that's better than the other, but those harder uh, ones that you know to cook, like a flank steak or a tri-tip, I would probably recommend those kind of those uh, kind of low and slow uh, meats that are, are perfect for the sous vide. You gave me the tri-tip tip. Uh, <laughs> impeccable phrasing there <laughs> uh, right at two years ago honestly I literally gave you the tri-tip I literally gave it to you you just handed me the tri-tip tip but just the tip <laughs> um can't get ever get in trouble if it's just the tip uh the, the t- <laughs> you got my girlfriend's father was uh is super into sous vide like I'm talking like he has a, he has like multiple sous vides he 
has one of those big like ice chest looking coolers like the ones you'd see like i don't know on the sideline of like a youth football game or something yeah <laughs> and he drilled a he drilled a hole the size of a sous vide in there to where he can like stick the sous vide in there and fill that up with water and just sous vide a bunch of stuff at one time like this guy's full in on sous vides i think he might be buying like merch from facebook groups from sous vide companies and stuff guys all in so i was asking you we went to Texarkana one weekend where they're from and I was asking you, like, what's good to bring for a, for a sous vide? Like, this guy's really into it. And you mentioned the tri-tip, and it was absolutely incredible. Um, that was actually one of the more memorable things I've ever gotten from LBs. I was like, this was unbelievable. It was a huge hit. I took credit as if I picked that out myself. It was just an all-around great weekend. But you can't go wrong with the tri-tip. I have to agree. It was pretty good. Yeah, and you still have the girlfriend. So, I mean, it, yeah, so worked it out. all worked out, you know, depending <laughs> on the day. <laughs> like, I had a kid come in the other day, and uh, – he was, uh, you know, cooking steaks for uh, for the girlfriend's parents. And uh, he was like, well, I've cooked steaks before, but I just really had cooked steaks for, uh, for uh, you know, my girlfriend's parents. I was like, look, your first good move that you've done is you've walked into LB's and you've come in and gotten four prime New York strips. So uh, just, you know, sear it and trust your meat thermometer and just, you know, go from there and good luck. There you go. You gave that kid a whole new batch of confidence walking out instead of him going, you know, uh, that devilish place Kroger across the street, charring his <laughs> girlfriend's dad never speaking to him again. So just yeah. uh, saving Bringing lives. families together. Yeah, exactly. Just bringing people together, influencing folks. That's kind of what we do around here. Oh, <laughs> let's see. That was a good one to start off with. What, who, what do we got next? Ed Rick. I need some tips on cooking venison, if Greg has any. Specifically, whitetail backstrap and tenderloin. Yeah, so that would be uh, whitetail butt deer, you know, like the Alabama song, um, Dixieland Delight. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's just your normal southern uh, deer. So um, as far as the deer, pro uh, deer process and everything, we stopped doing it. But as far as deer recipes, I would cut up that tenderloin and make uh, – deer poppers with it um you know Ooh. that's what we do with our duck you uh you know cut them into like you know little uh kind of cubes marinated overnight and some what are your favorite marinade i prefer you know some hoover sauce and then uh get you some cream cheese and get you a jalapeno get you that duck uh that deer popper and put it uh wrap it in bacon and you know smoke them and low and slow them and you'll basically have a you know, that LB's duck popper, but it's going to be, you know, with your backstrap, with your backstraps. So that's what I recommend on doing with the uh, backstraps. You mentioned that the, it being a whitetail, that being your pretty typical deer. I, I have had, I, being from Mississippi, I think I've gathered that. Much. But are you saying like, if it's like a, some different type of deer, like mule deer or something, are those different? Like, how Yeah, well, so a mule deer is a little bit bigger deer. So, I mean, I, I think their, their, their meat might be a little bit tougher. So, okay. uh, you know, but I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't kill animals. So I uh, hadn't killed an animal in a hot minute. So, um, but I do, you know, we used to do the deer processing, but that's what I recommend on that backstrap, you know, marinate it in 24 hours and, wrapping it in cream cheese and some uh, jalapeno and bacon and smoking it. Are you just saying you don't hunt or is that some sort of stance you've taken? You don't care? Yeah, no, no. I, 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 I wouldn't – I mean, I, if I go hunting, it's going to be a big green field, a real nice, warm, cozy box, and uh, hopefully, uh, a, you know, a liquor drink or something like that. I mean, I, I, man, I'm really more of the drinker and eater at the deer camp than the – Let's uh, go deep into the woods and camouflage our faces and try to kill the 
biggest uh, biggest uh, deer in, in the woods. Uh, I prefer drinking and eating at the deer camp. No, no, I'm with you on that. You and Deb, we're we're both on the same page there. I'm absolutely that. I have no interest in being cold out in the woods. I'm not knocking the people that do it. It's just not my cup of tea. I could go drink beer and shoot a shotgun and kill some doves. That's nice. So I'm more of a warm weather guy. I just thought you were like, you know, I'm not really a big killing animals guy in the sense of like, yeah. are you joining PETA? Yeah. Did you change day jobs? What are we doing with this podcast right now? I was just making sure I wasn't <laughs> taking crazy pills. No, I mean, like I said, I just uh... – I, I prefer to uh, to drink and eat at the deer camp, and uh, you know, like I said, there's some really cool uh, uh, spots in Mississippi, and there's some really good deer camps. So if you ever need somebody to cook and drink, uh, uh, come by LB's. I'll, I'll furnish some meats for you. You may have answered it already, but your favorite like version, like type way to cook a deer, whether it's the tenderloin backstraps, like what's your favorite part of the deer and how it's made? Yeah, I mean, man, honestly, I just those backstraps and uh, uh, and tenderloins are going to be the most you know, popular, but, you know, I like making some, uh, deer bacon burger, put some, you know, high temperature cheddar cheese or some pepper jack in there, you know, to kind of do like a cheddar burger, you know, you can do a lot of different things. Uh, I've, uh, my cousin did a, uh, just like the harvest apple sausage that we did. He did, you know, kind of like a, a pork and uh sausage patty, you know, with, with the deer. And so, you know, there's just, you got, uh, that's kind of, you know, you got to take it, uh, take advantage of the situation because you've got the meat. You know, you just got to be creative with it. But bacon, pork, and is going to be your best friend on uh, on uh, deer. I think to make that really good deer deer bacon burger. I've had deer and duck poppers, and they're absolutely uh, absolutely incredible. I uh, I very much enjoy both of those. Um, oh, by the way, how did that Funyun and uh, Cheeto sausages turn out? Yeah, it's great, man. I mean, we've had. Uh, we made a lot, a lot more of it. We haven't made the funyun again yet. We'll probably bring the funyun back, but the um, the smoked cheesy Cheeto uh, chicken sausage is uh, going off really good, and uh, people seem to like it. So um, I guess we we found another good one. So it's kind of hard to we're trying to like you know uh, down downsize on all the sausages. So we've kind of got a routine to where it's always going to be. Flying Pig, Swayze, either the Blue Dream or the Harvest Apple. We're definitely going to have the spicy ribeye, definitely going to have the regular ribeye. And then the smoked sausages, if we kind of uniform them out, we've got the smoked pork, the spicy Hawaiian, which is that pineapple and pork sausage and jalapeno. And then we smoke that andouille and then that cheesy Cheetos chicken sausage. So, um, yeah, we've got a pretty nice little uh, lineup for, of smoked sausages that we do on a consistent basis. What's the Cheeto inventory like on that? Like, and if you're making X amount of sausage, what, how much? How many bags of Cheetos is it? Required? So what we usually, what like? what, what, yeah. So what we usually do is we make a 20 pound batch of, uh, uh, with chicken thighs, boneless, skinless chicken thighs. And so my mom, um, she loves uh, uh, getting something put on her list. So whatever she found out, she needed fiery Cheetos. So she, she started going and looking for those big bags. So she literally. Gets, we usually do a half bag of a king size fire hot cheeto. So the big bag. I'm trying to think, I'll go back here and look at the bag. It's just the big, the big bag, the super, the king size bag. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you there. The, uh, the, uh, the, the, the mix and match bag. The mix and match bag. Yeah, the one that they uh, the one that they fill up halfway. That's the biggest scam in chips. Yeah, it's a, it's one it's one pound. So we use uh, we, uh, we usually use probably a half a pound. Sometimes we use all of it, but uh, um, but yeah, it's the one pound bag of the Cheeto cheese. 
the, uh, the fire hot Cheetos. And then the, uh, the, the cheese is a, the high temperature cheddar cheese. So like it stays solid whenever it gets smoked. That sounds pretty solid. Grant Sito checks in here wondering, has Greg ever tried W sauce and what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, um, I haven't tried W sauce. I'm assuming it's, uh, there's George Bush has got to be involved if it's, if it's W sauce. Is that, is that correct? I don't know. I was deferring to you. I don't know what W sauce is. It's uh, yeah. I knew I shouldn't. I should have done my Google research before it. Uh, no, I haven't had. Oh, wait w a minute. Sauce. I think you're uh, just talking about Worcestershire. Uh, Worcestershire. Okay. Yes. Uh, sure. Of course. Uh, okay. Well, that threw me off too because I knew what Worcestershire sauce is as well. But so I just googled W sauce and it just says Baron Burton's is the first one that came up. It says America's Worcestershire. I can't. Okay. I'm never going to say that correctly, but you get. So, okay. Point. Nice. All right. Well, then I, I was thinking that George Bush uh, got into the uh, the sauce making business after uh, retiring from being a president. That has to be what W sauce is, though, right? That was That's the, gotta the, be, way, yeah, he, the sure. way he phrased it. I was like, oh, this is something I've never heard of. Because I literally I was like, oh, I was like, W sauce. That sounds really cool. I need to probably check that out. So, uh, so yeah, Worcestershire, man, my uh, thing with Worcestershire is I like to uh, uh, mix it with butter and just use it as a finish mm. offer. Same thing with the Hoover. Um, I usually just put a little Hoover and melt some butter and just cook, cook, the, cook my steak to my temperature that I like. And then, see, and then uh, you know, just dribble it on the top and let it rest, you know, with the Hoover butter or the Worcestershire butter. So, yeah, man, there's uh, – there's, um, there, I, I like Worcestershire. There's no knocks on Worcestershire. Yeah, it's always good. I feel like that's kind of like – I won't say universal marinade, but I feel like you can throw that on anything and it's not bad. Yeah, uh, that's the most – that's like uh, – well, whenever we were started to make our own burgers and everything, we, we came out with a USA burger – which was literally salt, pepper, and Worcestershire and ground beef. So um, I would say that's uh, Worcestershire is probably a pretty solid American uh, tradition. You may have uh, you may have hit this one already a little bit, but I don't think you answered it directly. Robert Gary. Oh, by the way, if that W sauce is something else, we're gonna need a. Oh no, he had a yes. question. I'm all over the place there. First, sorry, I got ahead of myself. First of all, that last question. If that W sauce is something else, we're gonna need a follow up. I'm just assuming that's what it was. The second question he had was, do you ever use a Weber, Weber kettle? And if so, do you have a favorite accessory like the Vortex or Slow and Sear? Is that, am I speaking English? Does that make sense? We, uh, You know, it's funny. It's, uh, whenever I get all, asked all these questions, I feel like these people think that I own, you know, a Traeger and a Weber and, uh, you know, all these stuff. And I just, um, you know, honestly, I see video, I watch videos of, uh, you know, certain grills and that sort of thing. So that's where I kind of get my research on most of the stuff. My favorite, my favorite way to, to cook, honestly, is uh, the trash can turkey. I think we told, we uh, told some people about the trash can turkey one time. No, um, what, we the, gotta, I don't even remember this. That, not, that's not. Oh, yeah, that. the trash can turkey is just, you know, you literally put a metal stake in the ground and you make a tinfoil bed. Um, and then you, you put the turkey on top of the, the, the steak and you put the, uh, the garbage can over the turkey and you seal it and you with, uh, with charcoal and you burn the charcoal for two hours and you got the best uh, trash can turkey in the world. It's unbelievable. This is unbelievable. I just Google image this, like this dude, this dude's picking up a bin with a gigantic turkey under it, and like this guy looks like oh, he's yeah. fast for working for waste management. How does this work? For sure. Oh, uh, there's a YouTube video of a uh, 
man, some guy in definitely the southern half of Louisiana uh, doing this. And, uh, yeah, that, man, there's a poor old dog in there panting like it just like it, it's the last thing it's ever going to see. It's kind of it's kind of funny. But, yeah, trash can turkey, man. What a, Take me through that again. So you put the turkey in a trash can. No. So, so you set the, the trash can over the turkey. Okay. So what you start out with is you take a, a steak and you st- put the steak in the ground. You put tinfoil around the steak. So that way the, but the turkey, you know, isn't, it all, you know, sitting on a metal steak. And we're, t- yeah, I was so, about to say, we're talking like metal steak, like you throw, not like the, the meat. Yeah, like, uh, like a, a piece of rebar. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Or maybe like a, 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 maybe just something that you can stick in the ground and put tinfoil around and put a turkey around the, around it. So okay. once you put the, the, the turkey and the t- uh, around the tinfoil, you just need to make sure you have uh, tinfoil on the bottom to where the juices go down onto the bottom. So you want to extend the, the tinfoil out to where whenever you set the, tr- the, the, the trash can on top of it, there's, there's, there's a tinfoil coming out around the sides. So you, that way you don't burn the ground and you don't burn the house down while you're doing the tur- trash can turkey. Yeah, that would be a bummer. Yeah. So, so what does the trash anyway, can do? So the trash can basically whenever you put the, uh, the charcoals around the tra- – once you set the trash can on top of the turkey and then you have the, the tinfoil around the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the trash can, you literally set the charcoal and you pile it up around it, make it a big circle of charcoal, and then you light it. And so what happens is that that tr- that trash can seals it, and the char- the the charcoals heat the trash can to where it can basically like a convection oven, but like a redneck convection oven. Whoa! How long do you know how to cook it? Like how long do you know to cook it for? Till the coals run out, so they uh, it's twenty. If, if you have a twenty-pound turkey, you need one pound of charcoal for each uh, pound of turkey. So if you have a twenty-pound turkey, you need twenty pounds of charcoal. Wow, this is blowing my mind. Okay, so that's all. Uh, and so th- is this like a? Is this? So like this a- totally just. Well, we didn't answer the guy's question about the Weber vortex, but I mean, you know. So, uh, but I, I haven't cooked off a Weber vortex before, but. Um, I'm always a you know a hot plate skillet kind of guy. You know I like searing it really hard, get a good crust on it, and then you know low and slow. Okay, um, is this an all day thing or is the trash can turkey deal? Is this an all day or can you do uh, this two and a half hours? Two hours? Two and a half hours? Okay, probably so it's nice like, afternoon. Probably about a twelve pack of beer. Okay, yeah. It's <laughs> 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 so what mindset you go in with. Oh. No, so what, whenever the coals burn out is whenever it's supposedly done. So that's just scientific. Like when the coals go out, like you're not you're not burning the sucker. I don't guess. No, it's it, the the heat from the charcoal is making the garbage can hot. You don't want to go pick the garbage can up with your bare hands. That's for sure. You want to get some mitts whenever you do pick the garbage can off because it's hot. That's an incredible. That's an incredible redneck innovation, honestly. You know, well, I, I mean, you know, that MRA education is coming through. You know, that, they didn't teach all that at Jackson Academy. Ever since, <laughs> ever since I left Mississippi, I'm always amazed at like how awesome the South is in its own weird ways. And I know Dallas is not exactly, you know, 
like you know, fucking Seattle or something like that. But like I like mentioned to like my coworkers the other day that I played golf barefoot when I was on that bachelor trip. We got out there. It's a nice day. There was no one around. I just threw the old shoes off. Playing golf barefoot to power move if you're on like a nice, well manicured course. And they looked at me like I just discovered fire. They're like, what do you mean you played barefoot in like public? I was like, yeah, you know, like whatever, not a big deal. They don't really understand the concept of crawfish. It's, it's really kind of amazing, honestly. Uh, yeah, I mean, the South is, a, is an awesome place. I mean, it's like I've got some horse um, partners in Maryland that, you know, they're just amazed whenever I show them that, I, you know, how I smoke ribs and everything. They're like, how do you make them do that? And I'm like, what do you mean how I make them do that? You know, it's not, it's not a particular way where you make it do it. I mean, you got to know what to do. It really is uh, truly, truly incredible. We do have the food thing down in the South for sure. All right, I got ahead of myself, but now we got Robert Gary checking in. What, what's Greg's grill? Oh, what is Greg grilling for his mom for Mother's Day? And what should we all be grilling for all the moms in our lives this Sunday? Good question. Uh, well, I mean, you know, my mom is a hard-headed Italian, so it's really hard to make her happy on anything that I cook. I actually did some beef tips and gravy the other day, and I put it over cornbread dressing. And she, she tasted it. And she's like, wow, Greg. She goes, that's actually really, really good. So uh, I think that might be the first thing that she's ever liked that I've cooked. So now what I'll probably do is she'll pro – she's – man, she's so basic. She – I think I'd probably end up going to China Royale and getting her one of her uh, – an egg omelet or uh, IHOP and getting some pancakes or something. So – but if, uh, if she would let me do what I want to do, I would probably do – a uh, cap in ribeye because she likes the cap in. She likes the, the spinalis piece. So I'd probably just do her a big fat cap in ribeye. And um, she likes her mushrooms. So just one each of the mushrooms and maybe a, a, a sweet potato. And, but yeah, I think that's, I think that's, that would probably make her happy. Wait, Greg, that's a, what, what you mentioned. You're notoriously have told me multiple times to the years you don't, you prefer to make your own food than have it in a restaurant, particularly if it's like meat related. You you own a butcher shop. You said that was the first thing you made that your mom was like, this is awesome? Yeah, man. Well, I mean, my, so I, I, uh, my mom doesn't like salt, so I can't do any salt. So I, like, it's just like, you know, um, it, I just, it, it's, it's, it's hard to make, uh, it, it, you know, you always try to make your mom's happy and um, and so I would say my mom is a super, she, my mom's a certified rib judge. So, I mean, like I couldn't oh. imagine, uh, what, what her, uh, what her judging skills like, uh, during rib contests if, uh, because it seems like everybody likes my food, but, but I, yeah, I did make something for my mom that she liked the other day. So I've kind of got one of my feathers in my hat back. That's wild. Your mom, you're known as the meats guy, but your mom is your toughest critic. That's incredible. I hope she. Yeah, I guess that's. One. I guess that's what I'm. I guess that's why I'm really good at my job. Yeah, she's got to keep you grounded. She's just make the making of a champion. Oh. <laughs> all right. She did say she did say my ribs uh were were over a seven. So I think over a seven is pretty solid for ribs. So she's certified. Like, how does that work? So she gets to do it in contests. Like, do you get a badge and a vest? What is like? What? Is, how did she become certified? Well, I mean, you go to school for it, and uh, there's like a school no that you go. Yeah, yeah. I think it's in Oklahoma somewhere. But there's a certain you know, and you become you go to school and become a certified rib judge. So, so yeah, so, uh, you can do that. Anybody can do that. 
It sounds like it still has more work than a journalism degree, honestly, and I don't even know anything about the program. That's pretty incredible. And, and you and you get food. Yeah, that is awesome. That's a that's sometimes, <laughs> sometimes a reporter's salary that could become an issue. Um, all right, keeping it moving here. We got a couple more of the grill corners to get to. Let's see. I don't make sure I didn't miss any of these towards the top. I will say the last time the last time we did the grill corner, which was on my birthday, and I kind of wasn't expecting to be at the uh, the library reading so many books because I know you had some uh, tra- uh, some traffic trouble. But uh, I was worried because I really don't remember it. And somebody messaged me the next morning. It's like, man, I listened to the podcast. It was so amazing. I was like, okay, good because uh, you know it was my birthday, and I kind of really don't remember doing it. So he goes, man, you should do a cookbook. So. Well, who knows? There might be an LB's cookbook in the making uh, due to uh, a drunken night at the library uh, after a podcast. I was about to say, you might have to write the cookbook hammer just to ask the guys, like, yeah, can I have the link to that? I've actually never heard that podcast. I know I was on it, but I've never actually listened to it. <laughs> Trash can turkey. What you talking about, boy? <laughs> hey, Luke Vauder's checking in here. I believe Luke owns our podcast dog, uh, Chief, a uh, little golden retriever. I hope he's doing well. Says nice. Greg. Bought my first pellet smoker. What's the outside the box meat recipe I should cook on the pellet smoker? Doing my first solo shoulder this weekend. Yeah, so um, I, I would I would say I would recommend brisket being the last thing you do. Um, brisket's really hard to pull off, and uh, I would uh, I would probably do the brisket last. But man, with that Boston butt, you know I, what I usually do on my butts is I smoke them for a particular time frame. And then um, I'll uh, pull them two hours before, give them a really good saucing and everything like that, and then wrap them up in tinfoil and put them back on the smoker for about another hour, hour and a half to however much more time. But, um, you know, if you've got time, you need 10 hours on a low and slow Boston butt for sure. What's the uh, what's kind of the different slash advantage, disadvantages of doing the pellet smoker? That's That's the same thing as a Traeger, right? Yes, pellet smoker is, is a Traeger. So, yeah, that's where you have to get a special bag of pellets and you have to load it up and then you have to make sure you press the button right and then you make sure you turn the knob right and then it'll start smoking it at whatever temperature you got. What's the very, very, Lots of hard work involved in, uh, in pellet uh, smokers. What's the advantage or slash appeal to that other than just like going with like your charcoal or gas grill? Like why do people like that? Well, I mean, you know, the gas uh, gas grills, you know, kind of give off more. Uh, I mean, there's you don't have that smoke um, taste on, you know, on gas grills. You know, on gas grills, you're mostly just kind of charring, nothing crazy. You know, you're just kind of getting that steak cooked or getting that, you know, stuff cooked. But And plus, gas grills is, you know, you can control the temperature on one side and, you know, have a direct heat and an indirect heat side. So those Traegers are just, you know, I think they're basically like really, really nice grill ovens. You know, they can, you set them on a particular temperature and they're, and they sit there until you, you know, you want to move it. So I, I don't have a trigger, but I do have a couple of friends that have one and they love them. This was an incredible mailbag submission because he addressed us both separately. He said he had, he said he had that question for you and then he just said, Rippy, no question as baseball has put me into depression. Love the pod. Keep it up. So that might be the greatest mailbag submission of all time. It's like, hey, I don't have time for you, but I'd like to ask Craig. 
Yeah. Hey, I mean, you know, hey, uh, he needs to be thankful for you because you're the one that brought me here. So uh, we should all be thankful for Rippy. There we go. Just Grill Corner. I would say it's a joint idea. Grill, we just thought of – I don't even remember how we started the Grill Corner one day. I think we just got a bunch of mailbags about grilling, and I was like, well, I can't answer any of these. I got to bring <laughs> I got to bring Greg Connor, someone that actually knows. Yeah, and hey, and it'd be a perfect sponsorship for it, too. Yeah, there we go. Just right up uh, – it was really a match made in heaven. Let's see. Really generic question here. Can Greg go into great detail about his meat? Well, I mean, I don't know who the original uh, who the original cow was. Pretty sure he was a nice guy. I mean, you know, that started all the the beef that is throughout the world. But um, so mostly, my beef comes from the Upper Iowa Beef Company, and they are a group of farmers that are in control of the last. I think it's dwindling down to five to seven percentile of the uh, of prime beef being produced in the United States because there's so many people in this beautiful world that we live in. And uh, so the USDA has actually lowered standards on beef. Uh, so, um, you know, to feed everybody. So I'll get my, all my beef products from the Upper Iowa Beef Company. They uh, deal with uh, upper, upper, upper choice to prime beef. And uh, yeah, they're in charge of the last five percentile of the, of the U.S. production of prime beef. So they're an exclusive uh, group of farmers. There we go. That was a hell of an answer to a very, uh, very, very. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure I, I, I looked at the guy's profile picture. I'm pretty sure his uh, new, uh, newly uh, wedded bride uh, just loves the, uh, uh, reading that question for, the, for, her, for him. The, uh, do you have a defense plan in place? I know you guys only got a couple of you at the store at one time, but have you ever, like, I don't know, what's like the apocalypse situation for LBs? Like, do you have a defense plan if PETA shows up at the door? No, I mean, no, uh, Peter, no. I mean, I, uh, they might think that I, I have, I mean, just because I started, you know, uh, being uh, partners on a bunch of horses that I might be selling horse meat, but no, I do not. I love my horses too much to even remotely think about that. So, no, Peter ain't going to be walking in this door anytime soon. That's great to hear. All right, let's get, to, I think that was all the grill corner questions. Let's get to the, uh, let's get to the Kentucky Derby preview part of this uh you're gonna take the reins here because you know i don't know anything when it, about anything when it comes to it uh, let me make sure we didn't have any kentucky derby questions i think it was most uh, i think somebody lost on the man city over uh they needed they, i think they need a winner i think i was about to say that's happened. the only question we have was just like they just needed winners i don't think there's any uh <laughs> any uh actual specific questions about the race we just need winners. Uh, <laughs> i just need a number and ball. you tell me what to you know so no it's uh uh, the uh, the uh, the Kentucky Oats just went uh, went off and it was a really good race. So the Kentucky Oats is basically the Kentucky Derby for females. So uh, there has been a couple winners, uh, female winners of the Kentucky Derby, but you know usually uh, the, the kind of one of the prized possessions um, of uh, the Kentucky Derby weekend is uh, that Kentucky Oats, and it's uh, the best three year old filly in the in the country. So I mean that's a Nice feather to put your hat in. And uh, Secret Oak won that race. Uh, I actually picked that winner. So, uh, D. Wayne Lucas, uh, whenever he has a whenever he has a horse running in it, you got uh, to pick her. But she actually ran in the Arkansas Derby uh, whenever we were there. She ran against the boys in the Arkansas Derby and probably had the worst trip I've ever seen a horse have around a two-turn racetrack. So, she finished a solid third, but I kind of felt like, 
once she, you know, went down to the, to the Oats, I think she had a really good opportunity. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to Secret Oats and uh, on the winning the Oats. So, man, you know, honestly, I tell you what, if you ever had the opportunity to go to the Kentucky Derby, which I haven't, and um, I will eventually uh, because it looks like a good time. There was 107,000 people there oh, today. Lord. Yeah, so uh, – so yeah, uh, it's it, it's a party, and uh, I'll probably be going to the Preakness this year. That's the second stage of the Triple Crown in Maryland. So uh, be be looking forward to that. So so yeah, race day is there's literally let's see, one two three. There's three G twos. There's four G one races. So a G one and a G two race is a graded stakes race. They're graded by categories. So the grade, grade one is going to be what the Kentucky Derby is. So that's just going to be a really kind of like the most, you know, highest end of the grades is, you know, the, the Triple Crown events, which the Preakness and the Kentucky Derby and then the uh, the Belmont. So those are is, the highest. What does G1 and G2 mean? Like, what does that mean? So that's just a lower grade of stakes uh, horses. So, like, Say you have a, a G1 horse, you're going to be running in the Kentucky Derby. Say you have a, a you know, a, a good stakes winning horse, a good stakes racing horse, you might can run either in a G2 or a G3. It's just the G1 is the, is the highest of the, of the graded stakes races. So, like, that's going to be the Kentucky Derby. You know, there's also a couple G1s, uh, which – you know, there's still $500,000 purses. You know, the Kentucky Derby, I think, is 1.5. Not one, I think it's 1.5. So, so yeah, if you're getting to go to a, a, a racetrack and there's a bunch of G2s and G1 rates, graded stakes races, you know, there's some really, really, really good horses uh, at, at that track that day, for sure. How does it decide, like, what horses race on that and, like, what becomes that? Is that a qualifying system? Like, what, what – Yeah, happens? so, like, what happens is, like, say, for example, like, whenever we uh, – I went to Ocala in April and we bought a horse and uh, she is a Maryland bred and her name is Midnight Revenge. So, it's really awesome that we have a horse that's already been named because naming a horse is very hard. Um, I feel bad for the horse I named Meat Sweats because she just made it to the track and – Everybody's been laughing at her because her name's Meat Sweats, but that's beside the point. But they just don't so get we, it. I think that's a sick name. But anyway, continue. Yeah, I mean, if it was a big, goofy, you know, colt, but she's a big, huge filly, so I think she holds her name really well. So we purchased Midnight Revenge, and she's a Maryland bred, so she just went to the track. So what she will do is she'll do a couple workouts. She'll get primed for a five furlong workout. So what she'll do is her first race will be called a maiden special weight. So maiden special weights are horses that are running for their maidens that aren't running for a claim. So there's also a maiden special claimer. So those uh, horses are maidens that they've never won a race, but that you can claim them. So the maiden special weight is the first thing you have to take care of if you, you know, to, to up your progress to G1 to G2 to G3. See what I'm saying? Yeah, so you got to win to work your way up, basically. Yeah, I mean, like, of course, it would be awesome to, you know, to say, hey, Midnight Revenge, let's go uh, run in the Kentucky Derby. But she would get destroyed, and she would, you know, we'd lose, she'd lose all our confidence, and we'd have, you know, so 
that's the thing about it is, is you always, you know, you want to always place your horse in the right races. You know, is that a real whenever, thing? Confidence with the horse? What's that? Is that a real thing? Like confidence with the horse itself? Uh, absolutely. I, uh, one of my first horses that I owned was a. Uh, uh, he won his first. Uh, he won his first race, and uh, you know, after you win your first race and you're a two-year-old, there's not a lot of races for winners of two-year-olds. So that's what that race would be called: winners of 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 two-year-old races. So anyway, long story short, we tried to find a uh, race and we couldn't find a race. And we ended up finding this race in Monmouth Park, which was about a two and a half hour dry, uh, van ride. And uh, it was a cold day and, you know, he didn't, he shouldn't have been running in the race. And, uh, you know, he kind of got dusted and he was never the same horse ever again. It's crazy. That is wild. Okay, so you've got these horses, but everyone racing in the main Kentucky Derby on Saturday? Have, 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 they have uh, – they've, they've won their maiden. They've, uh, they've raced in either a stakes race or a G3 race or uh, a really high-end allowance races. So, like, you don't want to have a maiden special winner his next race be the Kentucky Derby. You know, you want to go to the next – maybe you want to try – a local stakes race and if you do good there then you you know find out what you got and then maybe take a shot at a you know a g1 or a g2 but i mean if you have a g1 or a g2 horse like you got a really 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 good horse i mean like you got a really good horse and but so but they're all dudes right they're all male horses well, I mean, there's fillies, yeah. There's fillies and mares, and there's colts, and there's geldings. So, but, yes, like, the Kentucky Derby is usually mostly uh, the guys' race. Yes. As a, as a girl horse ever raced in the Kentucky Derby? Like, Yes. Uh, I think there's been three winners, maybe two. I mean, three. But, I mean, you know, they were thinking about uh, 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 running Secret Oath in the, in the Derby, but, you know uh, – you take that chance and you run your filly in the derby and, you know, she doesn't get the right trip and she loses and, and or you can run her in the Kentucky Oats with, you know, where she's running against all females and she wins that race and she's the number one filly in the country, you know. So it's kind of take your shots here and there. Has anyone like that scumbag Bob Baffert tried like the swimming route and taken a male horse and said the male horse identifies as female and torn it up in those races? No. I mean, Bob Baffert's done some slime ball, ball things, but I don't think he's done that yet. I know he listens to this show, so I don't want to give him any ideas. We may cut that part of the podcast out. So uh, Bob will be all right. He's, uh, he's probably got his feet kicked up uh, telling uh, this guy what to do with Messier and Tavia. <laughs> so on, a, on the Saturday of – so this entire weekend is obviously a big spectacle. It's a big show. People dress nice, you know, blah, 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 whatever. What a race-wise – like, take me through how many races there are throughout the entire weekend. You mentioned it sounded like there were like seven. Um, let's see. Well, today there, was today there was 13. Tomorrow's there's 13. I think probably Sunday there might be 11. I think Thursday there was 10. So there's probably – I think they start racing on Wednesday. So Wednesday to Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So there's probably – I don't know, 75 races, 70 races. Have any of the horses that are racing in the main show raced in any of the other races? No, 
you, uh, you whenever you ship a horse to the Kentucky Derby, you're you're shooting for one race, and that's it. There's no, you you don't race on Wednesday and then turn around and went on Saturday running the Derby. It's just that's no, that's impossible. All right, let's get to the main event. Who do you like? What's uh, what's kind of the lowdown on the on Saturday? Well, I will say, uh, you know, race ten, uh, which is actually two races before the Derby. Um, there's a, it's the uh, the dirt sprint. So these are horses that are probably going forty one to forty two miles an hour, racing at six six to seven furlongs. So um, they get after it. And uh, Aloha West was the uh, Breeders' Cup uh, Sprint champion, and his and uh, this is the first time that him and Jackie, the Jackie's Warrior, are matching up. So that's going to be a really good matchup, uh, race ten. But the big race, man, you know, it's kind of funny that. You know, you, you say there's Bob Baffert's not in the race, but Bob Baffert is in the race, you know. And it's basically like, say, for example, Nick Saban calls you up, Rippy, and says, hey, man, you know, uh, I got a quarterback here that's really, really good, but he can't play in Alabama. Uh, but he can play in Texas. Uh, you want him? So would you take him? Wait, so is he – I missed this. Is he suspended, Baffert? Yeah, so he's suspended, and so all his derby horses are with just ran with are with personal friends that uh, know how to take orders really well. So this is a guy that's like lost his trading abilities, but is still kind of behind the scenes. His name's not on any of the trades. Oh yeah, like Linda Rice is suspended from the uh, from New York and for two years, and she still I see her at sales every time, and she still runs races at Saratoga and Belmont. You know. Will it's Bob Baffert and his white hair, like, will he be on TV Saturday? Um, I don't know. I don't he think shouldn't so. let him I on mean, the premises. Can we beat him up? I don't understand. That seems like a – so, this all stems last year, right? The, the horse that won the Derby was on roids, correct? Correct, and also passed away. Oh, the, the roids killed the horse? What a scumbag this guy is. No, no, I don't, I don't think the roids – I mean, I just – I mean, just – the medication and everything that was involved with the horse probably end up killing the horse, probably. Jeez. Okay. I mean, like, Bob Baffert's – I mean, I hate saying, like, has killed 70 – I mean, but, like, he's responsible for 74 horses that, you know, have not made the racetrack. And That's I'm talking about these horses are, like, $1.2 million, 800000 I mean, like, these aren't, like, $10,000 claimers. All right, I'll sidetrack you one more time before we get to the actual main event. And, like, Bob Baffert, how is he making so much money on all these? I know he owns all the horses, but, like, if he has a horse with No, the- no, no, he doesn't own any of the horses. He trains the horses. Okay, so he doesn't own any of so, Okay, so the guy How's he making his owns- money? How has he gotten to where he is, like, big time-wise and having the capital to have all these horses? So, when if you want to win the Kentucky Derby and you have, say, $2 million to say, hey, we got $2 million – we want to win the Kentucky Derby. What do you do? You probably spend about five hundred thousand or seven hundred fifty thousand dollars or a million dollars on the horse, and then you turn around and you pay, you know, Baffert, Bob Baffert to train it because who wins Kentucky Derbies? Bob Baffert. So you just go, you just take your chance on on that, and that's going to be your easiest way. So there's a, I don't know, he's a sheik or something like that. He's really slimy, but. That's the guy that owns Medina Spirit, and he also purchased a horse called Country Grammar, who <clears throat> was not 
the greatest of horses, but somehow, some way, he purchased the horse for a particular dollar amount, and Bob Baffert started training the horse, and he won a the Saudi Cup, which was a $10 million race. So, you know. Uh, wow, what was that together. horse's name, Mickelson? Who, what, what, that seemed pretty incredible. Um, uh, that, yeah, no, country grammar. Okay, Bob Baffert is 69 so years So, Bob old. Baffert used to train um, – Messier, which is the six horse, and he also used to train uh, Tibba or Tibia or whatever. Tibba was uh, was purchased for one point seven million dollars by the same guy that owned Medina Spirit. So, what do you think he's trying to do? You know, he's trying to win the Kentucky Derby again. So, well, so with that being said, Bob Baffert cannot train horses in Kentucky. So Bob Baffert literally has sent two of his best horses to these random trainers that don't even, I mean, they have horses, but they don't have good horses. So literally you're going to have an interview with a guy named Tim Yakin or whatever. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, that's the guy that's supposedly training uh, Tibia and Messier. And he's basically just taking phone calls from Baffert and tell him, you know, Baffert's telling him what to do. So it's kind of, kind of weird, honestly. Yeah, I'm not a fan of this Baffert guy. We got to get him out of here. Um, yeah, you ain't shouldn't. So, main event. What uh, take so, me yeah, through? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. Do you like the people want to know some winners. All right. So the last, I mean, long story short, on the Kentucky Derby, there it's it's wide open. Honestly, there's so many horses that could win this race. Um, you know, I think Messier. Uh, I I saw a picture of him the other day. He looks he looks amazing, and you know, Cyberknife. Uh, won the Arkansas Derby, and I just don't know if he has has the number to win it. But I really like Zandon, um, just the way he's – Zandon. Yeah, they're the, uh, plus 400, just to add some context for Zandon. You said Messe plus 800. Cyberknife, you said winner of the Kentucky – or the Arkansas Derby, no. excuse me, plus 1,800. I'm just giving some, yeah. uh, some odds as you go. Continue. So, um, you know, and I like so, – with uh, the 15 horse, White Abario, he recently won the Holy Bull and the Florida Derby. You know, Sappy Joseph is just really good in Florida. Uh, he really can't uh, take his uh, show on the road. So he's kind of uh, thrown a donut there. And I just don't trust uh, the sire there. He was actually in Korea uh, last year. So kind of canceled out White Abario. I really like Zandon. I like Charge It. Uh, he's the eight horse. My super duper sleeper. I like uh, the, the Japanese horse, uh, Crown Pride. Um, he's uh, – um, there's something in the something in the soy sauce in Japan whenever they're dealing with these horses. They're doing everything right. And uh, so if I had a gun to my head, I would like to go with Zandon, um, Crown, uh, Crown Pride as my, as my sleeper. I think it's going to be really hard to beat Messier and, um, and Tibia just because Baffert, you know, the Baffert angle. But um, I really like Epicenter also. But the thing with Epicenter is Steve Ashmussen is over 30-something with the Kentucky Derby. And, you know, sometimes you just, you know, you're jinxed on a race. But Epicenter could win this race also. But if I had I, – I, man, I think that's Zandon. I like Zandon just the way he's handled himself. And I would like to take a long shot with, uh, with Crown Pride, the Japanese horse. Okay, so Crown Pod, Prod, I'm showing it, plus 1,700. Uh, Cyberknife, you were saying, is actually a little bit worse odds at plus 1,800. Is there anyone in the back of the pack 
that whether it's I know you can bet different things than winning, so I'm just going to go through a so couple. The, four, the fourteen, the fourteen horse, um, man, uh, that jockey that's on him is a young jockey, and he's really good. And you know, the, I've seen that uh, horse run two or three times, and for some strange reason, he's always there in the end. So you might get some good, uh, good uh, odds with the fourteen horse. Is um, that is the bomb? No, uh, the fourteen, the fourteen should be. Uh, Barber Road. Barber Road. Sorry, yeah, I missed it by a column. Okay, Barber Road plus three thousand. What about a yeah. pioneer of Medina? Uh, he, he's a sleeper, you know. So, um, and then you can also uh, pull for Mattress Mike. Uh, Mattress Mike owns uh, the Five Horse Smile Happy. He, uh, I'm pretty sure Mike Mattress Mike might have at least two million dollars on some horse in this race. So, you know who Mattress Mike is, right? Yeah, what's his deal? I get he's a mattress guy. That seems pretty self-explanatory, but he's just – he's rebranded it. He's like – he's almost like the Dan Blazarian of gambling and mattress. That's a terrible reference. I don't even know what to make of this gentleman. Mattress Mike is just a big wager guy, right? Like, he loves to make – I, I think he's got his – I think he's got his hands in a lot of things. He, he seems like he's got a hand, his hands in a lot of things. Well, I think he's got his uh, – I think he – like basically, I think Darren Ravel is his pet. Darren Ravel loves him some mattress Mike. Um, <laughs> okay. But yeah, no, if you want to take a couple long, if you want to take a long shot, I mean, that 14 Barbara Rhodes is, will be there. I mean, he's not going to not be there. Um, I really like the, um, uh, Zandon, um, and charge it, you know, a charge it could, could, uh, has run three really good races. He can win this race. You know, it really, you know, you get, whenever you have 20 horses in a, in one race, you know, really anything can really happen. So, um, you know, just uh, go with what you like, and you know, put a ten dollar bet on it to win, and and see if you, you see if you can't pick a winner. What's the biggest long shot to ever win a Kentucky Derby? Uh, I think Giacomo. Uh, Giacomo. I think he was like fifty-five to one or something like that. Huge long shot. Wow. And if how, you look up, if, if you look up the if you look up the video, uh, Ken Rudolph, who is a TVG announcer actually picked Giacomo right before they uh, they went to the gate and Giacomo won. So it's like – it's uh, basically like commentary picks, long shot to win and, and horse wins, and they have like a uh, reaction of him like, you know, seeing the horse wins. kind of funny. Uh, good call. The Giacomo, like you just said, is the biggest modern one. I just looked up while we were uh, – while we were um... – Wow, I, I literally pulled that from the hip. I like that. Yeah, no, you're right on it because all the, the this this website I put up had a list of uh like the biggest long shots and like uh this one was number seven, but every other one before him was like 1939, 1941. I'm gonna say yeah. the odd odds makers back then maybe didn't have the biggest handle. That was uh, Giacomo was 05. Uh, mine the bird in 09. Yeah, my, uh, well, actually, mine, mine that bird actually ran away with that race. It was crazy. Uh, Calvin Borrell was on the uh, was on that horse, and then the more recent one, not a, quite as big of an upset, but a country horse was apparently a big, pretty big long shot in twenty nineteen. Country, country house, country house. Excuse me, I can't read that. Was that, that was uh, he actually won on a disqualification? Oh, interesting. Okay, that actually <laughs> oh, that makes a little more sense. Country house, that would be sick. Could you just name one of the horses horse? What would people do with that? Um, you know, everything has to go through, uh, the net, you know, you have to submit the horse and then they have to look at it. You know, there's, there's, I'm, I'm shocked that meat sweats made it through, but, uh, <laughs> my, my, uh, 
my favorite racehorse name of all time has got to be Rock Hard Ten. Uh, I've always. Oh, what I've an always, unbelievable name! Is that real? Yes, and he he was a really really good horse, and uh, I've been searching for uh, my favorite horses are Scat Daddy. I like a, I'm I'm a big Scat Daddy fan, and uh, Rock Hard Ten. Rock Hard Ten was like 17 and a half hands, so like 17 hands is a big horse. So uh, so anyway, but yeah, I would think Rock Hard Ten is probably going to be the best horse name out there. Okay, so now we got we got your picks. We kind of got through the track. Last thing I'll have for you before we get out of here, what is your horse owning status? When are you going to get one of these suckers in the derby? Kind of take where you're at from uh, your uh, horse equity standpoint. Um, you know, we actually had uh, 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 my <laughs> – we finished uh, second place four times in a row. So, I think we kind of got second-itis right now. You know, uh, one of the seconds was an 18-to-1 shot. So, you know, it happens in races, but – we uh, went down and purchased a, uh, a Maryland bread in uh, Ocala, and she's at the track. And Meat Sweats and Maddie Bow are at, uh, uh, were two of our yearling purchases, and they're they're at the track right now. So um, yeah, the horses are doing really good. Uh, I went down to Ocala and, and visited Big Bobby, and Big Bobby's uh, waiting for a van ride to New York. So hopefully he'll be uh, he'll, hopefully he'll be at Belmont. Uh, soon so yeah man the horses are good and um gonna be probably going to the preakness this uh this year and there's a the timonium sale is after the preakness so you know uh yeah man the uh, the, the equine uh the equines are doing oh um my mare just checked in so she's pregnant so uh so yeah i'm gonna be a a, a horse dad or whatever that's awesome congrats we'll throw you a shower how many horses do you have yeah, I mean, I really probably don't need to say that number. Uh, okay, no, I fair had, enough. I didn't know that was uh, I didn't know that was uh, sensitive information. No, uh, I, I've got so many different types of horses. I've got brood mares. I've got yearlings. I've got two year olds. I've got uh, a seven year old mare that just won her second race in a row, and uh, yeah. so she's she's what you call a hard knocking mare. So. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of different angles you can get involved. Um, I've actually got a buddy that wants to get involved and wants to meet, uh, you know, go in on a horse with us. And uh, what we're going to do is probably we're going to go to the uh, the uh, yearling sale in July and uh, hook up with Donnie Snellings, who uh, runs Denali Stud. And he's got a list of horses that hopefully are under 5000 to $10,000. And hopefully we can pick out a winner. So. Um, it's just, man, it's just cool. It's, it's cool to be a part of it. And, you know, uh, I wish I had a wife and kids, but instead I'd much rather have the horses. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, but no, the equine, uh, the equine's awesome. It's, uh, I, I, we need to go to a sale or you need to go to the racetrack with me. We'll, we'll have a good time. We need to do it one weekend. I tell, keep telling you, MC's got that, our parents have a place up in uh, Hot Springs, so we need to do, like, Oakland one weekend. I need to kind of do an uh, actual understanding of how all this Yeah, works. I think Lone Star Park just cranked, uh, cranked back up. So, we go to Dallas and go to Lone Star Park. There we go. We'll just, uh, yeah, I'll host a pre-Oak, whatever that is, party. <laughs> and we'll just ride out there and shuttle. So, I'm down with sure. He is uh, Greg the Meat Sharp Jones. I appreciate the time as always. Enjoy the races this weekend, and uh, we'll do another Grill Corner soon. Absolutely, we will. All right, that is our show. If you made it to the end, I, uh, I appreciate you uh, going on that adventure with us. Hopefully, Greg gets some winners at the uh, Kentucky Derby. Hopefully, Greg has a winner in the Kentucky Derby before too long. How about that? 
So anyway, hope you guys enjoyed the show. Colin and I will be, yeah, we'll be at it on Sunday. Um, I was about to, I don't know, that, as I record this last part, the baseball game has just gotten started. Uh, but we'll be at it on Sunday, and then we got some. Uh, I've got a couple guests in the midweek that I think people will find interesting. So anyway, hope you enjoy your uh, the start of your weekend. Hopefully, it's already underway. Hopefully, you listen to this doing something you enjoy. Maybe a nice cold one in your hand, and uh, we will catch you on Sunday. Thanks for listening. As always, you guys have a wonderful, wonderful weekend.